0: We're happy you've tuned our way today and trust that our time together will prove a real blessing as we continue with a series of studies designed to help you understand and enjoy the Bible. My name is Alex Kurz, and it's my privilege to invite you to join us as Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, brings us another message from the Word
1: of God. You know, it's a real joy to be able to turn to the Scriptures and allow the Spirit of God to to speak to us through through His Word. And today we're going to look at some of the concluding verses in the Book of Galatians. We've been studying our way through uh, the Book of Galatians here as we study each week together for, for some time. And let me remind you that if if this is your uh, if you're you're a regular listener. Uh, you know we we do appreciate your help and in, in, in getting others listening in with you and and I hope you're telling others about the broadcast and and in, inviting them to study with us week after week right here at this time this place on the dial, this time on the clock. If this is your first time to to join us, uh, can I say to you this is a Bible study program. We're not here just simply to entertain you. Our purpose is not to promote a philosophy or a denomination or a tradition or uh, some organization. What we want to do is exalt a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book called the Bible. And we we uh, we study uh, God's word right here each week, and we want to invite you to be a regular listener with us as as we look into God's word. We're, we're concluding the book of Galatians. Uh, we're down in verse number eleven, and we'll go, run down through probably about verse fourteen today, and then maybe finish the book in the next week or two. But what you have here is is a passage of scripture that uh, would be aptly termed religious TNT. Many years ago, Pastor J.C. O'Hare. Of the uh, the uh, North Shore Church in Chicago, uh, the church that's the uh, the church that I now pastor uh, in in Chicago, it's now called Shorewood Bible Church, and uh, Pastor O'Hare had a book entitled Religious TNT, and he was and he used that title to describe how that the message of God's unadulterated grace, uh, undiluted grace, is is dynamite to the religious system. That is, it's very destructive to religion. And uh because of that, it's a real touchy topic. Well, Paul concludes the book of Galatians where he's been describing and, and defending and, and, and uh, delineating uh, the message of grace as opposed to the performance-based system of the law, uh, the, the system of God's grace to us in Christ, the gift of God's grace to us in Christ, all that God is free to accomplish for us through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary and, and who He's made us in Christ. He began Galatians by defending his own, his own apostleship, that special uh, position as the apostle of the Gentiles that Christ gave him, distinct and separate from that of the twelve apostles before him. Then he describes that message uh, in, in, in chapter 3 and 4 about uh, the, the, uh, the message of grace and defends it against those who would seek to put the believer today back under the law system of time past, Israel's religious system. And then in chapter 5 and 6, he describes the practical impact of our identity in Christ, as members of the body of Christ, living under grace. And now, as he concludes, he says in chapter six, verse eleven, "You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand." Uh, you know that's that's what Paul was all about. Paul was concerned about the Galatians. He he um, evidently he had problems with his eyes, and uh, when he when he would write, he would write a uh, for him to write a letter the length of the book of Galatians with his own hand. Galatians is uh, six chapters, uh, 3,098 words, 149 verses in our King James Bible. And and for Paul to write that much, usually he used a secretary to write. Um, that's the reason when you come, you know, you, you're looking at passages like uh, Romans chapter 16. And uh, you, you see that Paul there uh, ha, has a, uh, a a friend uh, writing uh, the 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 words down. Uh, Romans sixteen twenty two. I Tertius who wrote this epistle salute you in the Lord. Well, that doesn't mean that he is the author of the epistle. It means he's the amanuensis. He's the he's the secretary, the recording secretary. Paul dictates it. And Tertius wrote it down. Uh, Galatians, though, he wrote with his own hand, and that, that's that's what Paul was all about. Paul would do anything and everything necessary to get the word of God to people. When people needed the word of God, it didn't mean it didn't make any difference to Paul if it inconvenienced him. He would do anything and everything necessary to get the word of God to people. He knew it was the word of God that made a difference in their lives. Galatians four verse thirteen, Paul said, You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Now, he didn't let infirmity of the flesh illness. Verse 15 there says that if it had been possible you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. They would have had they they, they would have given Paul an eye transplant if if they could have. When we study that passage in Galatians, I ask you, what do you do with a sick apostle? You know, all these people today talking about, well, God doesn't want you to be sick, and God doesn't want you to be ill, and if you really have faith and you claim you claim your healing, it doesn't make any difference what things look like, just claim your healing. You know, that, that's, such, that's so comical, that metaphysical morass that these so-called healers get involved in. You know why it's comical? I, I, you know it is. The world knows it is. Lost people know it is. You might as well admit it is, too. It's comical. The idea, the idea of saying, if you just claim your healing, whether it's there or not, whether you really physically see it or not, it's you just claim it. Don't don't speak a word of doubt. That's that occultic metaphysical uh, kind of stuff that that's sort of like the Christian Science kind of uh, uh, occultism. the The idea of that is, you know, the guy saying that one day is going to die. Pastor O'Hare used to say, all the healing claims aside, the death rate's still one apiece. You know what's going to happen to everybody you ever hear say that? If the Lord tarries, they're going to croak. You're going to put them to bed with a shovel, throw dirt in their face one last time, and they're going to be dead as a doornail. You know what? It isn't going to work for them. Now, if they really believe what they said, they ought to put death off. Death is the ultimate disease. Sure. You say, well, that isn't what they mean. No, I know what they mean. They just mean they want to get your money. They want to get your warm uh, body in their coal pews so they can count you, so they can do just what Galatians 6 so they can make a fair show in the flesh, and they can glory in your flesh, Paul in that way. That's why this passage in Galatians, by the way, is religious TNT. <laughs> it tells on religion, and it blows it right out of the water. Common sense would tell you not to follow some kind of a, of a hokey kind of thing like that, but you know, when you come to the Bible, people don't always have common sense. Uh, You you get this religious superstition involved, and that's what Paul's going after. Paul wasn't that way. Paul would do anything he could to get the Word of God to people so your faith could rest in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you. And he didn't let the infirmities of his flesh, the physical illnesses that he suffered, he didn't let it stop him. What do you do with a sick apostle? You better listen to him. You better learn from him. Verse 16 in Galatians 4, he says, Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Paul didn't let people's rejection of his message. Paul didn't let people thinking he was their enemy. I know. I say some of the things, you know, on this study that Paul says. And I I make the application of the doctrine that Paul gives us here to our circumstances in, in the world today. And some of you get upset. I've said many times, you know, if you don't like what you're hearing here, just you don't have to change the dial on the radio. You don't have to get, you know, all bent out of shape and go run off in, in a huff. You just, just wait a little while, you know, wait another twenty minutes and somebody else will be on. <laughs> and it might be something you like to hear better. But the fact is, that's what these verses are saying. And Paul said, Am I become your enemy? Because I tell you that he didn't let their rejection of his message change his message. Chapter five, verse eleven. He says, if I, then, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? For the offense of the cross has ceased. He didn't let persecution. People persecuting him. Chapter 6, verse 17, he talks about, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not some superstitious uh, uh, so-called phantom stigmata. That's the beatings that he took. That's the, 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 40, the, the, the 39 stripes that he got, the beatings with the rod. That's the physical marks in his body that came because people persecuted him. Uh, Paul, Paul would do whatever necessary to get the Word of God to people. He didn't let anything stop him, stop him. He understood that the doctrine of grace, the sound understanding of God's Word, was the issue. And you notice he wrote him a letter it's the written word of God that's going to be the issue. Our ministry here, we focus on the fact that it's what God's word says that's the issue. I know a lot of you know most people would agree to that in theory. We try to agree to it in practice. It isn't God speaking to you. God isn't gonna to speak to you in your head and little voice. I listen to a fellow, he says, well, you need to get my tapes. It'll tell you how to how to follow the Holy Spirit's promptings. You aren't going to get any promptings in your spirit, little hunches that are given to you, feelings that come upon you. When God wants to speak to you, he doesn't have to redo it, repeat himself. He already has spoken to you on the pages of his word. And if you're interested in what God has to say to you and about your life, you're going to find it already stated for you in the word of God rightly divided. Verse 12, he says, Galatians 6, 12, as many. He's going to contrast himself with, with the religious practitioners of his day. As many. Now, when it says many, that's many. Okay? There's a lot of these folks. As desire to make a fair show in the flesh. As many as want to impress people with what they can point to in the in in their ministry they constrain you they they force you they want to control you they constrain you to be circumcised to have a physical performance a physical operation only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law but desire to have you circumcised that you may that they may glory in your flesh You see how he lets the cat out of the bag there about what religion is really all about? It's just designed to satisfy the lust of your flesh. It's not designed to stop sin. They don't—neither they they themselves who who are circumcised keep the law. (laughs) Religion is the great cover-up for sin. Now, they're not interested in really dealing with the sin issue. Why? Because your performance doesn't deal with it. You know, I've said so many times, if talking about your problems solved your problems, your problems would have been solved long time ago. Talking about your problems, focusing on your problems, confessing your sins, and looking at the difficulties in your life doesn't settle the issue, does it? There's only one thing that will ever stop sin in your life, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ, where God put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. We're crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is free from sin. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Listen, the only thing that will stop sin in your life is the cross work of Jesus Christ, nothing else. You're confessing it. You're you're, uh, resolving to do better. Your good intentions, your religious activity will not stop sin. It only gives it a stronger hold in your life. When you're really interested in dealing with sin, you go to the cross. These people aren't interested in dealing with sin. They constrain people to be circumcised. They put them under Israel's religious program because they're interested in profiting by using these people. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. They're looking for this showbiz stuff have the discotheque of religious activities. They constrain you to be circumcised. They put you under, under a, a law system, a performance-based system in order to control you. They want to have power over you. They constrain you to be circumcised. Um, the fair show in the flesh, they just want to please men. Colossians chapter 2 uh, the last part of Colossians 2, Paul talks about the, uh, uh, some of the things that, that interrupt grace's activity in your life. And, that, and, and, and he lists in verse 20 to 23 this artificial spirituality, this, this external religion. Paul says in Galatians two twenty, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as the living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men. Doesn't that sound like religion? Don't go here, don't go there, don't do this, don't touch that, go get this done, don't do that. You say, where do you get that in the Bible? Well, it's just after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom. They look like bright ideas. They have a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body. You see, they make you look pious. They look religious. They look like you're worshiping God. They look like you're humble. Well, humility is a good thing, isn't it? It's recommended in Scripture. But this is a bad humility. Verse 18 of Colossians 2, he says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels. This humility is is a bad thing. You see, religion puts a false humility in, in people. It makes you think you're not good enough to approach God on your own, even though you're in Christ. Now you see, on your own, you're not good enough. You can't make it. But in Christ, while well, you have the acceptance that God gives you in Him. And what the satanic policy of evil against the body of Christ is, Satan's will for the for the believer today is, is not to rejoice in the fullness of of the complete identity God gives you in his Son, but to think that you have to have a part in it. And that's why this great host of religion has come along, and in order to make a fair show in the flesh, in order to use you to impress people and build themselves up, they constrain you to be circumcised. They put you under a performance system. We saw last week when we were talking about giving money, back in the earlier part of this chapter, they put you under a system where they constrain you to, to, uh, uh, to give funds. They constrain you to give your time, your talent, your treasure, in order to get God's best in your life. They put you under a performance system because they want power over you. They want to be able to control you. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. We'll come back to that in a minute. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. You see, the fellow practicing the religious operation doesn't keep the law either. He can't do it. Well, oh, he might keep a detail. He might keep that one easy thing to do. I've said so often about uh, the Pentecostal brethren. That, you, know, you go you go to Pentecost, and can I say to you that I uh, <laughs> had an opportunity recently. I was in, uh, in Africa, and I had an opportunity to talk to a, a denominational preacher, and he was – a saved man, great testimony of salvation, and I asked him, "What what is it in your nation that 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 concerns you?" And he says, "All oh, the 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 rampant growth and rise of of Pentecostalism, and the so-called charismatic confusion." And I said, "Well, why would why would it bother you that that uh, that those things would, would would arise?" And he began to talk about things that were out. And I said, "Well, let me ask you, where do you believe the church, the body of Christ, began?" He said, "All oh, on the day of Pentecost." And I said, well, but aren't you a Pentecostal then? <laughs> I mean if you if you believe the program that we're in today began on the day of Pentecost, aren't you Pentecostal? You see, that's why why I keep saying to you week after week, we are mid-Acts dispensationalists. That is, the ministry that began that, that we're a part of today did not begin on the day of Pentecost. It began with the raising up of the Apostle Paul later in the book of Acts. Now it's cheap it's easy to be a Pentecostal if all you want to do is practice water baptism and speak in tongues. Because those are easy things to to get people to do. One just gets you wet for a little bit, and the other gives you opportunity to make a fair show in the flesh. But what if you did the rest of the stuff at Pentecost? For example, you sold all of your possessions and laid them at the apostles' feet. Whoa, wait a minute. Now, see, that's going to cost you. And you know what? Nobody, listen, nobody who professes to follow the the order of, of of, of Pentecost does that. You see, it's easy to go in and pick out one little thing or the other thing and make a show out of it when you didn't really mean... Your, your, your intention wasn't really to follow it to start with. People that profess to follow the, the so-called Great Commission, the post-resurrection commissions of Christ, they don't follow Matthew 28, 19 and 20. You say, but, 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 but they, they go ye. Yeah, but they don't teach all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Jesus said, if you're gonna, in Matthew chapter 5, he said, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you've got to teach the law. Mark 16, go ye in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But people don't practice the baptismal salvation of the signs following, and the ones that profess to follow, the signs only take a few of them. They don't take the drink any deadly thing and it shall not hurt you. I mean, try them out, take a can of Drano and see if they'll do it. They won't, and you know they won't. They don't practice the Luke 24 and Acts 1 with the Jerusalem first. They're not going to Jerusalem to preach. They change the Bible and say Jerusalem's their hometown. When it when it's not the hometown, look on any map; it's in Palestine. And they don't use the the John twenty because you know that's the Roman Catholic proof text that the priest can forgive sins. (laughs) You never met a Protestant like that one. They don't really. They they just take little things out of it. Well, neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law. They're not really doing what God's word says. What are they doing? The desire is to have you circumcised that you may glo- that they may glory in your flesh. That's the real motivation. The intention isn't really to deal with sin; it's just to profit by using you to to make a, a show for them the glory in your flesh. The Corinthians had this experience. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, Paul says, verse nineteen: "You you suffer fools gladly. You're, you you just happily put up with this stuff." Seeing you yourselves are wise, you think you're so smart. For you suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you in the face, you just put up with it. Look at the religious addiction there, the abuse. Put them into bondage. Enslave them. Take of you. You know, you go out here and somebody cheats you and you say, I was taken. He took me. (laughs) That's what religion does. Exalt themselves. Make a fair show in the flesh. Smite you in the face. Just insult you right to your face. Take away your real identity. And Paul said, They do all that lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Have anything but, uh, but but the cross. That's why it says in verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. The only cure for religion, the only place to glory, is in what Jesus Christ did at Calvary and religion will give you all kind of things to perform all kind of things to hold on to all kind of things to do and see and touch and experience so that you wouldn't have you so that you would not have anything except an unseen connection to the cross work of Christ you know my friend today as members of the body of Christ we have this spiritual unseen unfelt Untouched connection with God through the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have God, Christ living in us as we take in the objective standard of the written word of God and put it in our hearts. But the connection between our faith and our the spiritual life and our experience is found in the pages of a book. Not in my emotions and not in my intellect and not in my surroundings. And until you're willing just to rest completely by faith in some truth in God's Word, that truth never becomes life to you. But when you do trust it, it becomes your life. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you. He said, the flesh profits nothing. All that physical activity, all that fair show in the flesh profits nothing. It perishes with the using. But the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And their life, what you have to have is the Word of God that works effectually in you that believes. And when you have that, the only thing you have to glory in is the cross work of the Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus Christ at Calvary gave Himself for everything that's wrong with you, paid for all that's wrong with you, took took our sin, put away our sin by the sacrifice of Himself, in order that He might cleanse us, so that He could then fill us with Himself. And we could say with Paul, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Not some denominational tradition. Not some frantic search for a way to please God on the basis of what I'm doing. But just simply Christ, the hope of glory, living in me. And my faith resting in him and him alone. My faith resting in an intelligent understanding of who God has made me and his son liberates the powerful working of God's truth in my life. Let me give you a free Bible study tape. I want, I want you to see this. The tape is entitled, I Will Glory in the Cross. I will glory in the cross. So that's all God's given you to glory in, to rest in, to rejoice in, to put your faith and confidence in. And grace is all that God is free to do for you through the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. This Bible study will help you to glory in the cross. To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at at, at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a we have a rather uniquely designed 3-year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is is unique in in several ways. First, we we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather, rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we, we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way and, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another, another uniqueness of, the, of Grace School of the Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of a video. In other words, we, we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us. And what that does is allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are. If you are or you have ever desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio, and I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God Rightly Divided and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the Rightly Divided Word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me, and we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that'll make the way plain. That number again is 888 535 2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha. I want to.
0: This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. Take the word with you wherever you go with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Odyssey.com, AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word, a bigger and stronger. Voice for God's Word is now here. 50,000 watts. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. WTLN Orlando, where faith comes by hearing. Portions of this broadcast hour are pre recorded. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast.